0: Hello, this is Daryl Castle with today's Castle Report. Today is Friday, December 1st, 2017. And today's report will deal with why it is so difficult to compete at a high level in politics or even in the marketplace of ideas in our world today. A few days ago, I got an email from a gentleman followed by a requested phone call to him in which I was asked to answer a question. The question was, since it is so hard to compete with Democrats and Republicans, why can't we in the third-party movement come together as one to compete with them? I explained to the gentleman my many attempts over the years to explore that possibility, but have come to understand that third parties have fundamental differences from each other just as they do with the other two parties. As well, they have principles that are We are unwilling to abandon. About that same time, a person in media called to ask me my opinion on why ballot access is so hard to achieve and what it would cost. To obtain ballot access in all 50 states, I explained the ballot access process and how it is controlled by those who already have ballot access. Then I gave some thought to the rest of her question. $10 million would do it, I said, yes. It would take $10 million, starting from scratch, to get ballot access in all 50 states, the enemies of our civilization, of our nation, of our families, and of all humanity have no such head-scratching moments to ponder. For example, in October of this year, one of those enemies, Mr. George Soros, donated $18 billion of his $26 billion fortune To his Open Society Foundation, I've talked a lot about Mr. Soros. But let me just take a moment to refresh your memory. He was born in Hungary to Jewish parents. His father was a successful Jewish lawyer. So when the Nazis were coming to power in Germany, his father could see what was eventually going to happen in his own country. He managed to get his son George an internship with a government official friendly, With the Nazis, when the Nazis marched into Hungary, George traveled with them, with his mentor in that man's official capacity, which was to hunt down Jews and confiscate their property. George was 14 years old at the time, but he had the opportunity to watch his friends and neighbors stripped of their property and sent to the labor camps and gas chambers of Nazi Germany. That was not The only thing he learned from the Nazis, because he had a chance to learn the propaganda techniques of Dr. Joseph Goebbels, the Nazi Minister of Propaganda. He does not feel guilty about any of this. In fact, he says he enjoyed it, it was fun. His rationale was that, if not me, then someone else would be doing it, so why not me, since it's going to happen anyway? This is not speculation or exaggeration on my part. I'm not just making up a fairy tale. You can watch a video interview with him on YouTube where he describes what I've just said in his own words right on camera. He doesn't seem to have any remorse or guilt feelings about his past or about anything else. That always made me wonder. He says in the interview that he is not religious. He does not believe in God. Man created God, he says, not the other way around, so there's your answer to why he does what he does, mentored by Nazis while they killed his friends and neighbors. He believes in nothing outside of himself. So why shouldn't he be completely self-absorbed, completely selfish? He lives by no moral code, and if he tried to live by one, where would that code come from? Who or what would tell him the difference between right and wrong when there is no morality? All you have left is a set of rules, which Mr... Soros is very clever at avoiding. Because of his great wealth, he is completely insulated from any consequences of his actions. He fears no one. He fears nothing. As he goes about the world doing what he enjoys doing, Mr. Soros made most of his money in hedge funds. Then he used that money to invest and buy other funds. His quantum fund reportedly has a $14 billion dollar under asset management, so he's doing all right, even after his donation to his foundation. The Open Society Foundation has assets of $20 billion at the current time. He runs it through a board of directors to which he has given authority to go about the world doing what his personal philosophy dictates that they do. Mr. Soros has been rather ruthless in his efforts to make money over the years as before totally without any feelings of guilt. In 1992, he gambled his entire fund on a short call that brought down the Bank of England but made him $1 billion. In 1997, through currency trading, i.e. buying and selling the currencies of nations, he spread economic depression across Southeast Asia, so he manipulates nations through their currencies, and through ownership of their politicians if he doesn't own the politician directly. One of his organizations does. He has given in recent months between 33 and $55 million to Black Lives Matter, equal amounts to Antifa and other fascist terroristic groups. He started MoveOn.org and recruited the former head of SDS, that's the old 60s radical group, Students for a Democratic Society, to run it. To say that these groups are left-wing or radical is to normalize them, and what they do, Mr. Soros, funds them because they threaten and they are destructive of the social order that holds civilization together. They are revolutionary, and that is his mission. It's the same reason he spends hundreds of millions of dollars through open society. To import young African men into Europe, he wants to overthrow the existing social order so that a new one can be built. He's building a new order of the ages that will be unlike anything ever seen on this earth before. He is using his bought and paid for politicians to do it. He must know that at age 87 he is unlikely to see the completion of his new order of the ages. Perhaps that is why he is transferring his money not just as a tax dodge but as a way to continue his work after he is dead. He's going to spend eternity with his father. Then that will not end his life's work, however. Nothing ever will unless his foundation is declared an international criminal and its assets confiscated. This is what we fight. That's what we compete against. Our organization scramble for nickels and dimes while his receives Tens of millions in gifts by his fund or one of his other organizations, his billions also by the minds of the young through control of the media and the education system, due primarily to the relentless propaganda to which they are exposed throughout their lives. Millennials are often held hostage in a George Soros prison of the mind. The Open Society Foundation is now the second largest charitable foundation in the world second only to the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Combined, these two foundations have assets of at least $50 billion. That is mind-boggling. It's a mind-boggling amount of money all dedicated to destroying what we hold dear and to resisting even the slightest bit of success we might ever be able to achieve. We strive to make small gains here and there, but they think long-term and they think globally. I'm not saying it's impossible to ever achieve any success. I am saying that to our enemies, money is no object to us. It is the insurmountable object. Finally, folks, as my old pastor used to say, the Holy Trinity never meets in emergency session. God is still on his throne. He still controls the universe. Give thanks then and pray that God of the universe will show his mercy and avert the calamities that confront us. At least that's the way I see it. Until next time, this is Daryl Castle. Thanks for listening.